Hey church, Pastor Kyle here. I am so excited to start our new series, How to Neighbor. How to Neighbor. It's a, it's a great series because it's for everyone. It doesn't matter if you live in an apartment building or you own a farm. It doesn't matter if you rent or own because we all have neighbors in all of those situations. I want you to just for a second think about your neighbors. Do you have good neighbors or bad neighbors? Do you even know your neighbors? Do you have neighbors that you like more than others? Do you have some neighbors that maybe aren't your favorite people? You know, I'm pretty lucky. I've got some great neighbors. Yeah, we have some neighbors who we don't connect with as much, and there's some challenging neighbors in the neighborhood, but by and large, we have great neighbors. We're really fortunate. We live in a townhouse complex. It's broken up into sort of blocks of houses. And in our block of houses, all of our neighbors are quiet. There's no partiers. They're polite. And we can be amicable neighbors. And that's great. But then in the wider complex, we have some great neighbors. We have some really close friends who our kids play together. And we spend time, a lot of time, in our common driveway uh, while the kids play with one another. My wife has a good friend that she has made and they really connect and they have good social interactions. And she's just such a blessing to our little community because she loves to give gifts and, and to do things for people that she senses that they might need. We've got another great guy in his 70s who loves to give up some of his time in order to do little work projects around the complex for, for no charge to anyone. He just wants to make it a better place to live. No matter what type of neighbors you have, we've all got them. And that leads us to this question of what is our role? What is our place within our neighborhood? Are we a good neighbor or a bad neighbor? Are we a neighbor that's known by others? And these are good questions that we'll explore and ultimately, hopefully, we'll come to a place where we're all better neighbors by the end of this. But not only will we answer that question, are we a good neighbor or a better neighbor, but we'll also get to the end and the, the underlying thing of why should we be a good neighbor? Why should we care about these neighbors and what can we do to make an impact in their life? Now, if you're new to our church, uh, one thing you got to know about us is our mission as a church, is, and that's that we exist to lead people to be passionate followers of Jesus. And as we try to live out that goal, what we've done is we say that we will do it in part by loving our community. When we say that we want to love our community, what we really mean by that is we want to go to our neighbors and love them and care for them in tangible ways. We, we meet their, their physical, emotional, social needs, but as well, we also meet their spiritual needs by sharing with them the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is. And so as we look at this idea of how to neighbor, what we are exploring is how can we live out this mandate to lead people to be passionate followers of Jesus by being a good neighbor. This also plays really well off of the last sermon series that we've gone through. If you've been following along with us over the last couple of weeks or months or even the, the last several months since the beginning of the year, you know we've been looking at this series, Life Under the Sun, which we just finished last week. And during the, uh, the series, Life Under the Sun, we looked at the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a book of wisdom in the Bible, which is given to us to help us navigate life. It was written by 
by a man who had had sort of every type of experience under the sun, as he would say. And he gave all this great advice for how we live in light of the different mysteries of life. How do we go about living life in a way that gives us purpose and meaning? Uh, A life that truly has value, but not just is valuable, but is full of joy and good things. And when we came to the end of the book last week, we came to this last piece of advice that was given to us, which was worship God and keep his commands. And I hope that for many of us naturally, that led us to the question of saying, okay, well, what are all of the commands of God? And so today we're going to begin exploring that by looking at a passage in Matthew chapter 2, which will lead us into this series of being a good neighbor, which is one of the things that God commands. So let me set up the story for you. Jesus was traveling around teaching and doing some incredible things, and he had made a a little bit of a, a, a stir up with some of the local leaders who were having some challenges. They really were threatened by Jesus because he was teaching, in in their mind, some radical teachings. And he was kind of leading people in a different direction. And people were starting to follow Jesus instead of them. And so what they did is they set about on this mission to sort of trap him up in his teaching. And and one of the, when we come to this passage, we come into one of those instances where an expert in the law, that's an expert at who knows the commands that God has given to his people, comes up to Jesus and confronts him. And that's where what we're reading about here in Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 to 40. So this is what we read. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him, that's Jesus, with this question. Teacher, Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So there you have it. Jesus gives two commandments that sort of are set up as the greater commandments. Now, uh, the reason I give it sort of quotes is to say that what Jesus wasn't saying is that there's the important commandments and then all the other ones and they don't matter as much. But what he's trying to say here is there's these overarching commandments. These are the, the really important thing and these lesser commandments are really the commandments that unpack. They sort of tease out and help us to fulfill the bigger commandments. And so the big commandments that we're given are love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. And you know, as I think about how we do as a church, I think, you know, we do by and large a good job at that first one. You know, I'm really proud of the fact that we are a church that really cares about God's word. We, we dive deep into it. We have a lot of people who are really invested in, in Bible studies and understanding God's word. And I trust and know that there's just so many in our church family who just love God with everything they've got. And yes, we always have room to, to grow in that area, but we do a really good job. But where I think we need to grow a little bit more is in this second commandment. This idea that we need to love our neighbor as ourself. I think sometimes it's easy as followers of Jesus to become so consumed with the the important practices of studying scripture and, and prayer that sometimes we forget that God also wants us to worship him 
by living out our faith and loving others. And when we see that it's not just about loving others, but loving others as ourself, that just gives me this sense that, man, there is so much to work on in our lives. And so I kind of ask myself, well, what does it mean to love my neighbor as myself? I mean, when I think of being a good neighbor and loving my neighbor, usually I think about first and foremost, just knowing my neighbor and, and knowing their name. Then sometimes I think about, you know, doing stuff like mowing their lawn in the summer and shoveling in winter, or having them over for a barbecue. And all of those things are about loving my neighbor. But there's also so much more when I need to love my neighbor as myself. When you think about that statement, it's really talking about how what we should do is love our neighbor in a way that we would want to be loved. When we love our neighbor as ourselves, we look at the desires that we might have for our own life. And not only do we acknowledge the, those things in our neighbor, but we seek to help them figure that out. We seek to seek to help them achieve the desires that we would have in our own lives. So what are the desires that we might have for ourselves that would help us sort of think about how we can do this? Well, we all have a desire for relationship and community. Every single one of us longs to have relationships with people who just value us, who appreciate us for who we are. And so to love our neighbor as ourself is to, to love our neighbor, to, to be in relationship with them, in community with them, and, and to value them in a way that we would long to be valued. What other things do we desire for ourselves? Well, we desire to have a good quality of life, to have food on the table, a house that's not falling apart, clothes to wear, uh, we, we desire for ourselves to not have things that threaten us or, or, or seek to cause us harm within our life. And so when we love our neighbor as ourselves, we seek to help our neighbor have the answer to those things. We seek to ensure that our neighbor has food on their table, that our neighbor has good clothes to wear, that our, our neighbor's home is in good repair, that those things that might threaten our neighbor's safety are, are, are eliminated and taken out of the picture. As followers of Jesus, though, we, we go even further. We desire in our own lives to know more of God. We desire for our lives to look more and more like the life of Jesus. We desire to see the work of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. And so we too then seek to see those things in our neighbors' lives so they can experience the good things that we strive for. So when we think of this idea of love your neighbors as yourself, I think it's helpful to think of the phrase, what I seek for myself, I will seek for others. What dreams I chase after for myself, I'll chase after for others. What energy I put in to, to provide for myself, I'm going to put that energy in for my neighbor. Those things that I want, I'll want and try to help get for my neighbor. And so when we think about loving our neighbor as that, it's this huge command. It's not just giving my neighbor a cup of sugar so they can do their baking, even though that's a great step. It's so much more than that. It's just a radical concept that just really takes us 
quite far down the line of being self-giving and self-sacrificial. This is a huge commandment. And when I think about this, I can, if I'm honest, say that it almost feels a little bit threatening. And why it's threatening is, I mean, I want these things for myself and, and I work hard for, uh, you know, the income that I earn. I work hard to, to provide a good place for my family. I work hard to have the, the time and energy and health that I need to, to go about life. And so if I'm supposed to not just seek that for myself, but seek it for other people, that means that I'm going to have to give up a lot of what I want for them. It means that I'm going to actually have to sacrifice some of what I desired for my fulfillment so that others can be fulfilled. And that's just this, it's this radical concept. In fact, one writer calls this command to love our neighbor as ourselves the most radical of all commands. And he calls it radical because he says this, it cuts to the root of our sinfulness and exposes it and by God's grace severs it. He continues on, he says, the root of our sinfulness is the desire for our own happiness apart from God and apart from the happiness of others in God. You know, our, the thing that we want for ourselves, the, the sinful nature side of us, we want for us to be happy and we don't want to have to worry about anyone else, whether that's God or other people. Our sinful nature tells us when we get home not to stop and chat with the neighbor because it'll take time and we'll have to hear their problems. Our sinful nature says, don't go over and deal with that thing that seems wrong. I mean, it's either their own fault that it's like that or, you know what, it's, it's none of my business. It's all their problem to deal with. My sinful desire says to protect what's mine and ignore and push out everything else. It's about my family, my house, my yard, my needs, and rejecting everything else. But what we see in Scripture is that this is not the way that God wants it. It's not the example that God gives for us. God's example for us in this is actually the complete opposite of the way that we typically want to go. God's an amazing God. We have a triune God who is perfect and holy, and he exists in three persons as God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in and of himself, he is all-sufficient. He is all-knowing. He is all-loving. He, he lives perfectly to himself. And he created mankind as a, as a way to glorify himself, not because he needed that from us, but because he desired that and he desired for us to know him. But, you know, what did we do? We went along and we have decided to sin and bring brokenness into the world. And because of that, we have been separated from God and the goodness that he has in and of himself. But rather than God being like, well, it's all about me in such a way that I reject everything else, God instead got into the muck. I mean, he got in with us. He sent Jesus, his son, to live and die on the cross for us. And he did it for the reason that we would be able to experience who he is that we would be able to experience his love and compassion, his mercy and his grace and goodness. 
God's example is that he was self-sacrificial so we could experience the love that he is and that he desires for himself. And that's an incredible thing because none of us could ever provide for it on our own. And so the example that is given before us from God is that we should live in a self-sacrificial way to help meet the needs and, and bring about the desires of people that they could not achieve on their own as a means of reflecting and glorifying God. When we look at the teaching of Jesus, it says to worship God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And what's really neat, and why those two uh, commandments, Jesus say, are like one another, is that they're both about loving God. When we love other people, we are worshiping God by being the tangible outward expression of who he is. Loving others is us living out what Jesus did. It's living out the values of God. And so God is our example, but he's also the why behind why we do this. We, we love our neighbors because God first loved us. We love our neighbors in response of worship to the good God who shows us love, who brings us in to the fulfillment of exactly what we need. And so God is both the why and the example. You know, I serve on the Strata Council in my complex, and some days, there's days where I go, why do I do this? I mean, I get involved in, in the, the muck, and I get involved in the problems, and I have to, to deal with things when it's inconvenient. But when I get there, I remind myself why I'm doing it. It's not because I want a title on the Strata Council, but it's because I want to love my neighbor, and I want to love my neighbor because God loves me and invites me into the privilege of worshiping him by loving my neighbor. When I'm not sure what I need to do, what I do is I look to Jesus as my example. I look at the, the life he led and the uh, interactions he had with people, and I learn to love people that way. When I have questions and and I'm not sure how to discern what path to go forward and, and how to love my neighbor in the right way, in a wise way. I seek the Holy Spirit for the guidance that he wants me to have. I would encourage you to consider this command to love your neighbor as yourself in light of who God is and what he's done for you. So the question then, and the question that we're going to explore through this series is then, how do I love my neighbor? How do I love my neighbor who looks and acts and sounds and lives differently than me? How do I love that neighbor that I don't know? How do I love that neighbor that's really difficult to love? Well, we're going to explore those things, but the place that I'd encourage you to start today is just by getting to know your neighbor. You know, someone's your neighbor just because of where they live. I mean, they, they have a, a plot of land, whether it's rented or whether it's owned, that is in proximity to you. And so they're your literal neighbor. But in actuality, they're really a stranger. Until we get to know them, they're a stranger. But when we're called to love someone, 
it's very difficult to love a stranger. We can still do it and we can still show expressions of love, but love becomes more full and sincere and complete, more holistic for an individual when we know them and can meet their needs and, and meet them where they're at and, and show them love in ways that are meaningful. And so what we need to do is move from strangers into this place where we become acquaintances with them and then move from being acquaintances with our neighbor to being genuine neighbors who have a real depth of relationship, who, who, who can not just socialize and say hi in the driveway, but who get to know each other's stories and get not just the knowledge of the stories, but involved in the stories of one another's life out of worship of God. And so you, when you think about your neighbors, you might think of a few who are maybe strangers, a few others who are maybe acquaintances, and then maybe a close few who are those genuine relationships for you. And what I'd encourage you to do is seek to move closer down that line uh, to greater depth of relationship with each and every one of them. If there's a stranger who lives in your community, start by saying hello. I mean, we all long for relationship. We all want community. And the, the easiest way to break into that is just to introduce yourself. I'd be like, hey, I'm Kyle. I'm your neighbor who lives right over here. Nice to meet you. What's your name? You know, and I start that relationship and I enter into the acquaintance phase where you kind of know each other, but you don't really have any depth to the relationship uh, beyond maybe superficial conversation. Well, with those people, I, I seek to spend time with them to take that relationship to the next level. And if I'm honest, that's actually the most awkward uh, of all the relationships I have is with the acquaintances because uh, I'm sure uh, for me, like for you, it's, it's, it's a weird place because we don't know what to say to the people. We, we don't know how to navigate uh, some of the awkward social interactions that we might have with a neighbor and those you know, silent pauses in conversation. But there's an opportunity there, again, because people want community. People want to be loved, that we can lean into that to pursue a greater depth of relationship. You know, some of the best ways to, to pursue greater depths of relationship is to do what we do in any relationship, just spend more time with people. How often have you seen a neighbor struggling with something in their yard or on their driveway? I've seen it quite a few times, you know, someone loading up a car and, and having a, a problem or, you know, someone coming home, too many groceries to handle or, or all sorts of different things. And one of the ways we can be a neighbor and grow in relationship with them is to just go alongside and help them. You know, just, just be a neighbor. That's all we have to do. But then when we get to this acquaintance thing, it, it needs to take you that next step for, further. And so what I would encourage you to do is just invite them in to spend time. Maybe you don't see something anymore where it's an opportunity to go and meet them. Instead, now you say, hey, can you come help me with this thing I've got going on? Or invite them for dinner, invite them to have a chat, uh, invite them to have a little outdoor movie night, whatever it is. And I, I know we live in a time of COVID and, and that adds some extra complexity and people have different levels of, of comfort with safety, but we can be creative in finding ways to connect with our community. And we do this all for the purpose that we want to love people as we would want to be loved and we want to worship God by doing it. This isn't rocket science. It's what we do in our day-to-day -day relationships, but it has so much value. 
And you know what? My, my experience has just been that when I lean in to offer relationship to people, most people are so quick to pick that up. And there's opportunity for such life-giving relationship, even with people who you don't even really know yet. Let me share a story to illustrate my point. And it's a story of friends and neighbors in our complex who we've become quite close with. And what happened is it all started a few years ago when our dog Mutama went missing. And some of you, if you've been around the church for a while, remember the story of our dog going missing for 11 days while I was away at a, confer a church conference. And then we came home and we spent days looking for our dog. And what was really neat is as we posted up signs around around uh, the neighborhood and as we put stuff online, one of our neighbors who saw all the posters and had seen us found Amy online and she just messaged and said, hey, I think I'm one of your neighbors and I happen to work at an animal shelter. Can I help you find your dog? And that was a really th cool thing because just that interaction that where they took the opportunity to step towards us took us from strangers to acquaintances. And what's really neat is how our lives have sort of intermingled since then. After that, uh, they ended up taking their daughter to the preschool where my wife uh, teaches, and, and we got to know them through that avenue. And slowly over time, we just had more conversations in the driveway or at the preschool, and it was really neat. But then we, we, we felt like this, this sense that we need to become friends with these people. Like we, we want to appreciate these people and love these people. And, and uh, they seem really neat and, and we want to uh, get to know them more. And so we kind of took the initiative and took what felt like a little bit of a risk to invite them to a Christmas party. You know, we were having a Christmas party at our place. We were having friends and family over. And so we invited these acquaintances and you know what? To be honest, I didn't think they were going to come. I mean, they don't really know us. They don't know anybody else who uh, is going to be at this party. But, you know, hey, guys, come on over. We'd love to have you. And much to my surprise, the husband came over and he spent a lot of the party visiting with us. And it was great to get to socialize with him and to get to introduce him to our family and friends and for them to get to know each other. And through that simple action of inviting them this acquaintance to a party, they became more of a part of our life. And you know, what's been really neat is through these small actions, what we have seen is a relationship where we've progressed from strangers to acquaintances to quite good friends. You know, now we send our kids to each other's parties. We spend hours and hours in our common driveway with us sitting in our camping chairs while the kids scooter and, and use sidewalk chalk and spend time playing with one another. We've brought meals over to each other when, when we're in need. We've done things like follow up when significant life events happen. This relationship has become one of the most life-giving relationships that we have right now and it all started with a few small interactions. And what this has really taught me is something really neat about God. You know, God asks that we worship him by loving others. But what he's also done in us is designed us so that as we worship him, as we follow what he's commanded us to do, he gives us these refreshing and life-changing things. And in this case, it's relationships that add value and meaning to our lives. And, and so I would encourage you, if, if those are things that you long for in your life, to, to love God and, and worship him by loving others and experience the goodness that that brings to 
your life. If you want to get started in that, what I would encourage you to do is over the next week, maybe, maybe two weeks, maybe month, get to know your eight closest neighbors. And we've actually got a tool to help you with that uh, that we'd love for you to use. It's called the block map. And uh, it's, it's going to be on the screen here. And as you see in the middle, there's the, the house that says your house and all around it are the gray houses and they're blank. And what you can do is you can just get to know your neighbors. And maybe you already know some of them. So you can jot their names down on there. And this is just a tool to help prompt you and remind you uh, who your neighbors are. And it encourages you to love them more, hopefully. And you can find this uh, tool. It's going to be on our website on this week's uh, service. Uh, found on our website, there's going to be a link in the bottom so you can download the PDF or as well in our newsletter this week, there's going to be an opportunity to download that PDF. And I just encourage you, maybe consider putting it on your fridge, leaving it in your office, somewhere where you're going to see it and just use it as a reminder. Okay, I have neighbors that God has put around me to allow me to worship him and also to provide life-giving relationships for me and then go and pursue those relationships. And I just trust that it's gonna be uh, something that's really helpful and encouraging for you because I know doing stuff like this has been just such an encouragement for me. And then what I would encourage you to do as your next step, maybe you already have some of those relationships with some of your neighbors, is look for ways where you can love them as you love yourself. One of the things we can do is uh, listen to our neighbors. What desires do they have? And, and how can I help meet those? What are some of the struggles they've got going on? And then and, and lean in and, and try to meet some of those needs. It's a real opportunity that we have as we spend time in dialogue. I love this one acronym, and we've used it a number of times over the years, but it's called BLESS. And BLESS is just an acronym that helps remind us of how we can pursue relationship in worshiping God by loving others. And it starts with the B, and B stands for begin with prayer. And so what we can do is we can pray for our neighbors. We can pray for opportunities to get to know them, uh, pray for doors to be open so we can have interactions. And one of the other things we do is we just pray for them because we love them. The second letter is that L, and L stands for listen. And that, this is where we just listen for those places where there might be things where we go, hey, I would love to be loved uh, by someone by in, encouraging me in this way or providing for me in this way. And then we meet that need for them. The third way is to eat and just spend time with your neighbors, eating and enjoying time together. Maybe this just means that you, you grab a drink and a chat in the, across the driveway and it's just an opportunity to get to know one another. And then you, you, you serve them and you share with them. So those are the two S's. And, and so you meet their needs and you share your story and as you do all of those things, we trust that we're worshiping God and it is going to be such a blessing, not just for them, but for us as well. There's all sorts of things you can do. You can meet tangible needs as well. Consider giving someone a gift. Mow someone's lawn. If you know someone who's sick, help pick up some groceries for them. Go get some soup and some ginger ale and drop it by their doorstep. Maybe there's a lonely neighbor just spend some time doing that, that talking and listening and sharing life together. But whatever it is, love them 
as you would long to be loved as an action, as an expression of worshiping God. As we think about all that, though, let me leave you with a little bit of encouragement, which is found in Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, we read the story of the Apostle Paul in Athens, and he's there to explain who God is to people. And as he's explaining to them who God is and that that God gives them life and God gives them breath, he talks about how God works in verse 26 and 27. One man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. I find this so encouraging because what this tells us is that God is in control and he gives us our life. He gives us our breath, but he doesn't just do it sort of at a willy-nilly time, but he has given you your life now at this point in history. He has brought you to this place right now in history. And he's done that for all of your neighbors as well, so that together we would seek him, that we would bring him glory. And for me, this is such an encouragement. It means that when I go and try to to love my neighbor and I have those awkward moments, or perhaps I get rejected by that neighbor who, who doesn't want a relationship with me, I don't have to be discouraged by that, but I can know that that God is working out a plan and he is sovereign over everything and he controls everything for people to come to know him, to glorify him. And so that, that makes it bulletproof for me. That means that when I advance in worshiping him and loving others as myself, I know that I am participating in what he is accomplishing. And I know that because of that, his will will be done and that my efforts will not be wasted but instead that his purpose would be worked out. So as you go to love your neighbor this week, as you try to get to know them, as you try to develop relationship, as you try to meet the needs and desires that they have, as you would want them met in your own life, I trust and know that God has a plan, that he has a purpose that he's working in and through you because he gave you your life now. He put you exactly where you're supposed to be. So be encouraged that what you you do this week will have fruit, it will be favorable, and it will be good worship to our loving God. So go and worship God as you love your neighbor. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you have given us this command to worship you and to love others And God, we thank you that you have done that to to bring yourself glory. But Lord, that you have been in your good character, good to us to allow us to enjoy that and to to, to receive life-giving relationships from that. And God, I just pray that people as we go throughout this week, would would not be afraid to to lean into this command, but Lord, that we would press into it wholeheartedly because we know that you will accomplish your plan, that you will accomplish your purposes, that you will be glorified. God, we know that you place us in our neighborhoods as exactly who we are, and you place our neighbors where they are supposed to be so that people would seek you and glorify you. God, thanks that you involve us in this mission. God, I pray that throughout this week, if any of us are timid, if we are uh, discouraged in some of the relationships that we've had with our neighbors before. Lord, would you empower us? Would you embolden us? Would you give us the courage 
uh, to, to meet with those neighbors, to engage with them in a loving way. Lord, for your plan, for your purposes, for your glory, and we look forward to seeing you glorified in how we live. Father, we thank you for who you are. Jesus, we thank you for what you've accomplished. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you continue to do in and through us, and we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.